Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, January 11th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Doing good, Rod. Uh, shivering my bones right now. It's cold. Yeah, it is. I think that's um, pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. But uh, we'll survive. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it. We'll make it Spring's somehow. Spring's only two and a half months away. Two and a half. Well, yeah, maybe three, but yeah, we'll see. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Uh, joining us today is our guest and my friend, Bill Petrello. Bill, how, how are things going? Oh, excellent. Thanks, Rod, for uh, inviting me here to be with you and Jeff today. Excited about uh, excited about this. And, and uh, you know, Rod is my watching Browns partner. So our, we, we figured out that we watched six games together. And so uh, I think we've talked so much about this team so far. I'm excited to keep going, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, everybody can give Bill a follow at um, at PetroRock44. And do you want to give an explanation on that handle, Bill? Um, it's just a nickname that um, I used to. So I went to Miami University down in Oxford. And one of the things that I did was I played, I was the DJ for a lot of our parties. And so um, people would come up to me and say, hey, you know, can you play this song? And once they figured out what my last name was, then then around my friends started calling me Petro Rock. So I just kind of stuck with that. Um, and uh, it's been kind of fun. You know, a lot of my a lot of my friends still from college, if we get together, they still call me Petro or Petro Rock. So um, nothing fancy, just, uh, and you know, you were you were at Miami, too. Yeah. Not yeah. much to do there in Oxford. No, no, kind of going out of town and hanging out and drinking some beers, and that's that's kind of it. That's right, yeah. and 50 cent pizza slices, too. Yeah, that too, that too, yes. So uh, so we're going to um, make this our, our season wrap-up for the Browns. Um, we got a, a whole long off-season coming up where we're going to talk about the draft and you know, changes and everything else, but we're going to take this show to talk about what happened this season. And before we do that, we're going to talk about our Blitz beverages. And Bill, we hate to do this to you, but you're the only guy participating <laughs> tonight. Um, All right. I had my shingles shot and I'm just uh, just kind of not 100% um, feeling the beer tonight. So, so I'm skipping and Jeff's doing water too. So so why don't you tell us what you're drinking tonight? Well, I'm doing the water too, just like you guys. But what I started off with was just the Sam Adams Real Simple uh, Boston Lager. And then I have like three cases still of my Great Lakes Christmas Ale that when I was back up in uh, back up in Menor, um, Giant Eagle had them all over the place. So um, I went ahead and bought a bunch of them and then we didn't have as many people come to the Christmas party. So now I have a whole bunch of these Christmas sales that I will have, uh, after I finish the Sam Adams. So I'm going, uh, very simple. Uh, and even though it's after the uh, holiday season, we're still sticking with the Christmas sale. Cause I'll have that for a couple months. Three cases. Yeah. That'll, that'll, uh, that'll last you a little while. <laughs> Any friends <laughs> over? I need friends over. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let me know. Let me know. All right. <laughs> so, uh, so um, let's uh, let's uh, take this opportunity then, Bill, to hear about your journey as a Browns fan. And you know, we we've been to uh, 
several games and you know watching them together on tv so i know some of the stuff but our listeners do not so so let's hear about your browns fandom kind of how it started um highlights lowlights anything you'd like to share with with the listeners excellent thank you um so i think this sums it up pretty well my parents have always told me my first words were touchdown and and it's it's true because you know in 1965 1966 um you know the browns were a juggernaut but the the big thing was it was what you did together with your family your family you got down together and on sundays like i'm italian okay so my mother and my grandmother and my aunts they would make just boatload of pasta and brujol and then you know homemade sauce and we would we would time it so that we would eat at halftime of the games. I mean, every Browns game was not just a religious experience, but it was a family thing. And so for me, that's my earliest recollection really is 1971 and really the 1972 season um, when we almost upset the Miami Dolphins on their on their run to the um, undefeated season. My, that's pretty much when my fandom started because I remember that season and I actually remember that game because we had everybody over at our house. It was just packed. I mean, it was just wall-to-wall Italian people there in Menor. And uh, But that was the start of this journey, <laughs> we want to call it that, where you know the 70s were – let's face it. The 70s were mediocre – uh, sometimes exciting, sometimes not. But, I mean, we just fell in love with fans. And then when Brian Sype came around in 1978, 79, after being on the taxi squad for, what, like three years or something like that? Yeah. When when he had when he had reign of the team and then we 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 just seemed to go to another level with the cardiac kids. And I and I think many people also I think at the time and I may be wrong about this. And I'd have to really go back and talk to talk to my family a little bit. But I think at the time, probably in the 70s, the Indians were so bad and nobody would be going to the games. Um, but if you look back, I don't think the Browns games were sellouts either. And I'd have to go back and look at that. But my fandom just continued ever since then. And so when I got to Miami and we would watch – we were watching Browns games whenever we could because then, you know, you were – pirating cable or paying for cable, either one of the two. Yeah. And um, I was at, at down in Oxford, you were either really a Bengals fan or a Browns fan. Uh-huh. So it was hard to get all the Browns games in, even though Dayton did a really good job sometimes of getting that. Um, but I, I mean, I remember when we were in college, we would go to, if, if the Browns were home against the Bengals, then whosoever apartment was a predominantly Browns apartment, um, we would put masking tape down the middle of the room where the Bengals fans would have like maybe a third of that to all sit in. And the Browns fans would have two thirds of that. And then if this, if Cincy was the home team, then it would be just the opposite. We'd go to a Cincinnati room. And it, it's, again, that camaraderie, that friendship, even though it was a hatred and everything, you know, my fandom just continued to grow from there. And And I remember when the Browns did make the playoffs and. You know, it, it just that was what at 85, 86. And then that that period of time in the middle of the late 80s was just a magical, fun time. 
Oh, you yeah. know, and, 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 and I think many people my age look at that time and say, that's when I became a Kosar fan. That's when I became an Ernest Biner fan. And I'm wearing Biner's jersey right now. You know, and we can sit there and say, I love Eddie Johnson. And, you know, we can we can go through all of the fans, all of the, the players that we just loved. And and really, I bet every one of us can name these these players. When I got married and started having kids, um, you know, and, and Belichick became coach, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this is awesome. You know, and then when everything broke loose, I, I for those three years, I really started to like say to myself, I don't know. I, do I want to do this anymore? And then, <laughs> and then when we came back and we were as bad as we were, I told my boys as they got older, I said, boys, whatever you do, pick another team. Don't go down the rabbit hole with this team. This team will it'll it'll they'll they'll love you. They'll they'll embrace you and then they'll break your heart. I said, and if you're willing to go through that emotional roller coaster, then I'm more than happy to have you on board. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I've just been a fan since 72. And uh, it is it's it for us. It was always a family time to get together. And uh, we timed we timed eating for halftime. I mean, it's like my mother would be like, OK, is it 215 yet? Great. Here's the food. <laughs> Run, get our food. You know, and then by the time you finished eating, you go back. It's the third quarter. So that's uh, pretty loved cool. it. And it's 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 uh, my now that my boys are all older and living away. Um, I try and, you know, sometimes text them while we're watching the game rod. But uh, it's not as much as the family thing because we're all kind of spread out right now. But uh, uh, right. it was for the Christmas. I mean, it was for that Green Bay game. We were all back home in mentor and it was we had everybody around that television set and we were screaming and yelling and cursing and everything else. I'll bet. I'll bet. <laughs> well, that's great. Great stuff. So um, looking at the Browns season, uh, transitioning here, just in a, you know, in the broad sense of, of the season, the Browns, um, the Browns finished eight and nine, third in the AFC North, uh, barely, you know, same record as the Ravens, but the Browns end up at third. So, um, you know, I don't know who would have thought that the that the standings would have ended up the way they did. You know, Bengals, Steelers, Browns, Ravens. I think more people would have expected those standings to be the complete opposite you know, yeah. of what they ended up being. So um, anything can happen. You know, uh, there, there were reasons. Um, we're not going to talk too much about the Ravens, but they had a ton of injuries. Um, the Browns. Browns had their fair share of injuries and, and COVID and, and all this. I mean, the uh, I was just thinking, looking at some of the injuries for the Browns, you know, aside from Baker, they had, you know, Jack Conklin, uh, JOK missed a bit of time, um, Tack McKinley, you know, late in the season, Chris Hubbard. I think those are probably the big ones. Uh, but there were a lot of other guys that were, that were out here and there. Um, you know, just kind of... Uh, you know, kind of made a difference for the team. Um, certainly, uh, you know, not going to make that an excuse uh, for the record or anything. But um, injuries were a factor this season. So, um, you know what? I'm just I'm going to um, I guess on the injuries and bef- before um, I step to the next section, which is you know just kind of talking about the coaching and that. I'm just going to give you guys each kind of a a chance to just kind of talk um, and just give some broad thoughts about this season and 
you know, I'm sure it was disappointing for everybody because most people had pretty high expectations, I think, for this Browns team and this roster. But, Jeff, I'll let you start because um, we're, we're 12 minutes in and we really haven't let you talk yet. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of your take on, on this season, what it meant, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe your thoughts on what happened as far as how the Browns got to that 8-9 record. It's kind of a slippery slope this year, wasn't it? Um, you know, one thing went wrong, then another thing went wrong, and then pretty soon we were um, sliding into the abyss of mediocrity. And um, I, I just – I think, you know, if you went back – and I, I, I looked at some of our podcasts from – preseason and I, I couldn't really find the ones that we did where we did our our preseason predictions and stuff but to your point earlier we, we all pretty much said that we thought that the Ravens and the Browns would be the best teams in the division and the Steelers and the Bengals would be at the bottom and nobody really saw this, the Bengals doing as well as they did um, we never fully count the Steelers out um, just because of their history um, but if I had to summarize this this season in in one word, it's just it's just underachieving. Um, from a roster standpoint, talent talent standpoint, um, all the pieces were really there to contend this year, and you know to to really maximize that window of contention over the next two or three years. And you know now after having played seventeen games. We really have more questions than answers about this roster, um, which is, you know, that's that's pretty disappointing. Um, you would have have thought and have hoped that by this point that we would feel really good about, you know, going into next year. And, and you know, even if we fell slightly short, um, we'd feel really good about our chances next year. Um, with all that said, I think, you know, we, we, we also discussed the, the likelihood of, you know, this this could be just one of those years with COVID and, and everything else that can happen to an NFL franchise. If the cards just don't fall in your favor, um, you can have one of these off years, even though you have a really good roster. You have all the right pieces in place. You can sometimes have one of those really off years. And I think that's just what we're looking at. You know, I I, I don't think that that, you know, as in the past when we fell short of expectations it was because of something i just think it was one of those years where things conspired against us in terms of being able to maximize our potential um and it just didn't happen so yeah i'd like to feel a lot better about going into next year um but you know what next year is just going to have to be another repeat of this year in terms of really not knowing what's going to happen and and just kind of hoping for the best and um at least i feel really good about you know our ability to put the right pieces in place that's right that's right so uh, so your thoughts bill uh jeff i agree with you i think we have more questions maybe not on on defense as much um although you know the defensive line especially the interior is going to be kind of an issue but really defensively there, there, you can look back on this and say, and, and, I'll, and I'll try and give you, I think this has been a manically or maniacally mediocre season. And, and I think from 
the excitement that we all felt that we were bringing everybody back on the offense. Oh my gosh, everyone's coming back. That's going to be so awesome. You know, I think we keep forgetting the fact that we're, everybody was coming back. And I, you know, I think also the media fed into that fetish of, Hey, you know, this, this team's going to be really good. We're talking about a Super Bowl contender and everything. And we have to remember that for all that we want to keep saying about this, and there, I know we'll talk about this a lot, but, um, Stefanski has been an offensive coordinator for what four years total. And Joe Woods has been a defensive coordinator for four years total. And, and so when we look at last year to this year and you go, how did everything work out so well for us? There were so many things that happened in a game that was positive for us that helped us get that win this year. Exactly. As Jeff said, it was just one of those years where we're close, we're, we're driving, boom, drop. Um, we're close, we're driving, boom, penalty. And, and then all of those things, or, or boom, really bad NFL officiating. But I mean, these are things that teams are supposed to overcome. And, and, and you know, listening to some of the press conferences yesterday with um, uh, Batonio and with uh, – JJ, I was really surprised at some of the things that came out of there because I think we all thought at the beginning of the year that this was a close-knit team. And to hear some of the things, and I know, you know, COVID, I, I get it, I get it. But when I when I hear JJ say there have been some guys who've never even talked to anyone on the team, even on the bench, I find that hard to believe. I mean, I just find that so hard to believe that this team would be like that. But, um, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of things to dive into here, but I, I would say it's just been – really man maddeningly frustrating but I, I i have to keep in mind i mean let's go back what five years if you go back five years this team was what three and 13 in last place in the afc north then we were one and 15 in last place and then we were well 2017 we'll leave it at that. but i yeah. mean yeah. to where we are now we're you know 11 wins last year eight wins this year yes disappointing there are pieces in place that we could be looking at saying, you know, just like 1984, uh, you know what, we, we, we got some things going on here, but there, we, there are some things that have to be addressed. And maybe we can talk a little bit about that through the course of today um, in, in terms of what happened this year. Yeah, so uh, so let's uh, let's talk first about just about the coaching staff. This is in no particular order, but um, you, you brought up Kevin Stefanski. Um, you know, I'm not going to talk about all the guys on the coaching staff. I mean, the guys that get, you know, the uh, um, the headlines and, and the guys that people talk about primarily are, are Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, Joe Woods. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of people are, are down on Stefanski for various reasons. Um, I said to, to one of you guys, it was probably Jeff, you know, if, if, if last season and this season would have been switched, if the Browns would have, would have won eight, eight or seven or eight games last season and 11 this season, I don't think people would have batted an eye. But because they were so good last season and then dropped off this season, it looks it looks worse. And and I tend to I tend to agree with Jeff. Um, you know, I'm not giving anybody a pass, but. Things just didn't work out this season. It was one of those seasons. Um, and and Bill, you bring you uh, you make a good point with uh, 
you know, just with the amount of experience on this staff, these, these guys are still learning. You know, they won a lot of games last year. That doesn't mean they're a finished product. So let me get your thoughts on, on those guys. Um, I'll, again, Jeff, I'll let you go first on just, just those three guys and their performance this season. It's true that, that these guys don't have a lot of experience. Um, based on our franchise's track record and history, um, I think it's unrealistic for us to think that we would have hired somebody who did. Um, mm-hmm. And would that person have been any more desirable than who we ended up with, you know, two years ago or a year before that or four years before that? Um, realistically, we have to grow a coaching staff here, just like we have to grow players. And Kevin Stefanski made some mistakes. He will own that, um, just like every player makes mistakes. Um, but I think you have to understand that that's part of the growth process. And what gets you con- what gets you consistency in terms of record and production and, and all those things is continuity. We've lacked continuity in this franchise for as long as I've been a fan. Um, and that goes back to, you know, prior to the new Browns, uh, where we were constantly changing coaches, constantly changing general managers. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you, Rod, about the, the Pittsburgh GM getting ready to retire, you know, hiring the reins for the next, you know, um, regime, uh, the next regime is going to get the reins for the next rebuild and so forth. And, and neither one of us even knew the guy's name. He's been GM for close to 25 years. Yeah, okay. I never, I didn't know um, his name. Yeah, yeah. So, look, we, we have to figure out this this missing piece of, of continuity that allows people to grow in their roles and and not, you know, take them to the, to the woodshed whenever they make a mistake and, you know, not take them to the chopping block when we have a bad season. Um, so... Yeah, absolutely. If, if things had been flipped, you know, we'd be riding the wave of, wow, we're, we keep getting better every year. But the reality is, is you just you don't necessarily get better every year, especially when you've been through as much crap as this franchise has been through in the past. Um, it's going to take some time for us to develop that that consistency. And and, you know, I believe in the people that we have. Um, I feel good about their ability to make decisions and, and to continue to improve themselves and the team. And we just need uh-huh. to be fan enough to let that happen. Yeah. So your thoughts on the coaching staff, Bill? Um, so I'll start with Stefanski. I, I, you know, after the Chiefs game in the playoffs last year, and a lot of what he was saying and what he was going to kind of take a look at, I got excited thinking, okay, you know, he made some mistakes there clearly, especially the second half. Um, and, and we could talk about this too. We are not a good team coming out of halftime. We do not make adjustments coming out of halftime. And that, that could be one of the most frustrating things. And one of the most telling things that I have about Stefanski Um is I I just don't see improvement. I mean, you look at the number of points we score in the second half. We're like the fifth worst in the entire NFL, uh, and I think that we're the fourth worst in the fourth quarter too. And and so 
I, I, I look at things like that as that's that's a coaching thing. You know, um, I also heard Stefanski say last year in, a, in an interview that he was going to try and get Chubb and Hunt on the field together more. And I'm thinking, oh, awesome. That's exactly what go ahead and have defenses try to figure out what's going to go on there. Who's going to run it? Who's going to go out for a pass? Oh, I was thinking this was going to be great. And Rod, I think the games that we saw, I think we can count three plays that we saw the two of them together in the backfield. And, you know, injuries aside, I understand that, you know, yeah. Kareem missed a lot of time. But when 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 I when I hear Kevin say that he was going to do that at the end of the year and I got so excited, I'm like, man, every defense is going to just like, what are we who are we going to cover? How are we going to do this? I just thought there would be these huge giant lanes for everybody passing, running, whatever. I was just surprised at the at the lack of plays in which the two of them were in the the backfield together or even one out you know anything like that and then that's on kevin to do that um i think it was really telling when alex van pelt the week of the the steelers game the monday night game when he came out and was as honest as possible about baker i I gotta wonder if somebody went up to alex van pelt after that and said what are you doing because the browns have been so the coaching staff in the front office have been so guarded and how they've talked about his injury and everything else. I, listening to his press conference and talking in detail about everything, I, I was shocked that Alex Van Pelt was doing that. So yeah. um, I, I, I wish, I think like many of us, we, we would like, I think we'd like Kevin as a person. I think he's got the potential, but I think we're missing a lot in the game, in the, the play-by-play pieces of a head coach instead of an offensive coordinator who is kind of trying to figure out what plays to call next. And again, we don't know. We're not on the headsets. We don't know what's happening when the defense is out in the field and everything else. Um, but I, I, I think we all would like to see Kevin maybe give up that offensive coordinator role uh, a little bit more. Um, and I thought, you know, as much as, and I'll say something about Joe Woods, as much as I want to say about, you know, the first week, or the first couple of weeks of the season with, with Joe. Um, I really think he has done a great job in the last seven to eight weeks of the season. And especially um, coach Tarver with the linebackers. I, I really think from last year when I would, I, I think we can both, all three of us can agree that the linebacking was probably one of the worst positions on the team last year in, in terms of talent and everything else. And Not this wanted. year, and, and one of right, and not just with not J-O-K one of, <laughs> not, not one of. <laughs> yeah. And I and I would say this year it was one of the the last seven games. I'm going last seven games. I really have seen how how well they've you know because they missed a lot of guys too with Walker being out for COVID and you know Malcolm being out for COVID. I mean guys were coming in and out, but you know Elijah Lee coming in, he had a couple really good games. I mean, I, I, yeah, I really have to give credit to the linebacking crew. I, I thought the linebackers um, and specifically Joe Woods and Tarver um, did a great job. And so I'm excited to see where the defense is going to going to going to be um, that that to me is one of the biggest fun, exciting things to, to think about. But again, we had all last season to think about the fun, exciting things after the Chiefs lost too. so. Um, yeah, I'll yeah. go with that. I have a couple other things later, but that's good. <laughs> yeah, you know Joe, Joe Woods, guys. He he was ripped all last season. That you know, um, just like the previous twenty defensive coordinators we've had in Cleveland, and he he got some pieces this year, and 
you know, it, it took a few games for him to come together. You know, every game wasn't perfect, but this is the NFL. You're not going to shut everybody out. He did an excellent job. Okay, the Browns' defense was was really good this year. So I, I think you have to give him credit. And, uh, you know, I think people need to stop pointing the fingers at him and just say, hey, we got a defensive coordinator. Just let this guy grow. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pass on the play calling thing because we could probably talk about that for an hour or so. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, so so let's talk about the offense, guys, because the offense, let's face it, the offense was was uh, was the problem this year as far as not scoring points. You know, whoever you want to put that on is one thing, but the offense not scoring points is what hurt this team. They, they lost a lot of games because they just didn't score enough points. So, so Baker threw for 3,010 3, yards, 17 touchdowns, 13 picks. Um, last, you know, last season he had 26 touchdowns and eight picks. And th- this season he finishes 27th in QBR in the league and he's injured. So, um, you know, take that for what it's worth. I'm, I'm going to give you a couple more stats here, and then we'll, and then I'll give you guys a chance to just kind of um, give your thoughts on the offense and and, and uh, anything else that you want to add in. Nick Chubb, and guys, I, I can see this a couple ways. Um, Nick Chubb was still, after all the complaining about him not getting enough carries, was still second in the league in yards. Yeah. Okay, so... So is the Browns organization trying to manage him so that his career lasts longer or are they just not using him enough or or what? I mean, I could see both sides of that argument because you got this weapon, um, you know, he ends up with 1,259 yards, second in the league, eight touchdowns. Um, He was second in the league in, um, in 20 plus yard runs with 12 and he only had 228 carries. Um, Jonathan Taylor had um, like 330, 334 or something like that. A hundred more carries. Um, a lot of guys with a lot more touches than Nick Chubb. So um, I'll let you guys give your thoughts on that. But receiving. Donovan Peoples-Jones had 597 yards receiving. That led the Browns in receiving yards. That was tied for 63rd in the league. That's crazy. Receiving yards. <laughs> Not one yeah. person over 600 yards. Yeah, and, and Jarvis had, I can't read my own writing, but I think it's 52 catches. That's the most catches. And that is tied for 67th in the league in catches. He, he led the Browns in catches. So in receiving, the Browns, they don't crack the top 60, and really in any category. And I mean that that's tough to do. That means pretty much every other team has two receivers that are better than the Browns. Any of the Browns. And with that, Jeff, I'm gonna let you talk about the offense. You know, you, you can read a lot of different things into those stats. Um, we knew coming into this season that the Browns had a lot of weapons offensively, and and like Bill said. We were returning everybody to what was a pretty productive offense last year. Yeah. Um, you know, 
by consensus, the best offensive line in the league. Um, some star wide receivers, some star running backs, um, some high draft choice tight ends. You know, on paper, this looked like a very skilled offensive unit. You know, why that didn't turn into production individually, um, I'm less concerned with than why it didn't turn into production as a unit. Um, mm-hmm. I would have been perfectly happy if nobody had 600 yards and, and no running back had 1,000 yards if we won 11 or 12 games. Yeah. And yeah. we ran, you know, we ran a conservative offense that um, emphasized ball control and keeping the ball away from the other team's offense and all those things that we expected to see this year. Um, I don't think anybody realistically expected us to be the, you know, the chargers and, and, you know, going forward on fourth down at our own 30. You know, that's not that's not our coach's pedigree. Number one. Oh man. And 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 I don't think you know I don't think our offense is built that way. You know. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So so realistically, you know, the 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 tools were there, the philosophy was there. Um, What didn't happen was the execution. Um, And you can go through a whole laundry list of of reasons why. but ultimately, guys didn't do what they were supposed to do. Um, receivers had issues. Um, running backs had health issues. Receivers uh, had had social media issues. Um, you know, there were there was a, just a whole bunch of dysfunction throughout the offense, and that's sort of been the theme with this team for decades. Is you know, there's going to be dysfunction somewhere. Where is it? Okay, well, this year it was on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, I don't know how you plan for that. I don't know how you coach for that. You know, when when guys just just can't get their job done for whatever reason, um, it's damn hard as a as a coaching staff, as an ownership group and a general manager to say, well, we should have done this differently when guys just didn't do their jobs. You know, and and again, it's it's a whole bunch of people. It's not one guy. I mean, there's there's people who are more responsible than others, I think, but in general, everybody underachieved on the offensive side of the ball with possible exception of Nick Chubb. Um, he missed a couple of games, right? But, um, you know, yeah, yeah. but, um, you know, you could look at pretty much every other guy. I mean, Joel Batonio had a great season, earned his extension. Um, but man, he took some, took some games off. I thought, you know, um, Wyatt Teller, since he got paid, is a different guy. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, at some point you have to hold people who work for you responsible for their productivity or lack thereof. And, you know, I hope bringing back most of these guys next year doesn't get us more of the same. I hope it gets better production, um, tough, uh, smart and accountable. Right. Um, well, they were tough. I don't know. They're pretty tough. I don't know about the smart part. Um, <laughs> the accountability kind of came and went, you know, um, but it's a good, it's a good thought. It's a good philosophy. Let's see if, if, you know, we can't figure out how to make that happen 
with these pretty much these same guys next year. I mean, other than the wide, wide receiving core, is not going to be wholesale changes, right? So um, we better hope that they figure it out. Yeah, you know, um, just real quick, and then I'll pass it over to you, Bill. I think that um, I think uh, the this season proved uh, two things. First of all, <laughs> the Browns did not have quite the depth on the offensive line they thought they had. I mean, they missed some, they lost some key guys. Okay, you don't expect to lose your one of your starting tackles and then your swing tackle, you know, mm-hmm. at the same time. So, so that hurt. And I think we also. Um, saw how important Kareem Hunt is to this team, too, with him only playing eight games this season. I love Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb does a lot of stuff, but there's just times when you bring Kareem in and it just changes the tone of the game. And they did mm-hmm. not have that. Uh, they didn't have that ability uh, for, what, nine games this season. So, so Bill, I'm going to turn it over to you for your thoughts on the offense. Okay. Um, the, the biggest thing, and, and Rod, you just kind of hit on it. Um, I thought the biggest injury was losing Hubbard in that second game for the year. I thought that was the biggest thing because now all of a sudden, like you said, your number one backup guy who can play almost any position on the offensive line is gone for the year. And did they do enough to, I mean, look at the look at the number of players that came up on the practice squad and you see offensive lineman, offensive lineman. I, I think the team knew that they, that, that there was a problem when hubs went down and, and I, and I love Hubbard. I think, you know, and then Nick Harris, you know, was another one who struggled. I thought, you know, last year a little bit, and I was hoping that, that to see more of him this year. Um, I do think we had some guys who came in and did the best that they could, but boy, I tell you, um, Jed's injury, you know, and the fact that he was playing through that throughout the whole year. I mean, really, that second game of the year, my gosh, there are so many things that happened that second game of the year that that really had an impact on the entire rest of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and we say it's little things here and there, and it, it is. But boy, I tell you, from, you know, a rookie wide receiver not running the route correctly at all to getting the interception to Baker just kind of chicken winging him to try and tackle him and. And, and I mean, you, you sit there and you look at those and you go, my God, in that game, there were probably three major things that happened that had an impact for the rest of our season in week two. Mm-hmm. Um, the wide receiving, I, you know, I, I liked, I liked the signing of Austin Hooper and boy, he's just been so maddeningly mediocre. He really has been, I, I think one of those disappointments that, and I'm sure Andrew Barry's probably thinking the same thing, like, you know, we got to get him back on track, but Boy, I tell you, you look at all the you look at all the 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 um, our tight ends, and really, I like Njoku. I've always liked Chief. Um, you know, saying I want to be here and then firing your agent—that's pretty. That's pretty gutsy. But if you're going to run your offense around three tight ends, um, you better make sure that your three tight ends are all good. Because if you're if you're requiring them all to be able to block and to run and to be like a wide receiver and learn to get separation and everything else, that, that's a, that's a lot to ask. And, you know, we've kind of skirted around the Odell issue, too. Um, and, and I know we can talk about that for an hour and everything else. But just if we lump all the wide receivers together, um, I agree. I think when when uh, 
when you look at this group at the beginning of the year, you thought, man, how exciting is this? And, and, yeah. you know, this will be great. And then all of a sudden you start to see the drop balls, the running, the poor routes, or if, if not even the correct route, um, the injuries. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got Donovan Peoples Jones as your number one receiver. And now you're, 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 you're looking at guys who can't get separation. And that's, that's, and I know they'll get better. And I know it's a young group. I mean, geez, DPJ, this is his second year. Schwartz, this was his first year. Um, and they'll get better. But boy, I, again, going into that season, I think we were all hoping that Odell and, uh, and Jarvis would, would carry the load for us as much as possible. I was actually surprised that Nick Chubb only had eight touchdowns. I, I don't, I mean, eight and, rushing I, and I get touchdowns, yeah. yeah. And, and I, and I, I, I understand that. You know, that there were, let's see what we had. Ernest Johnson had what three rushing touchdowns. Um, I think Hunt had five or six rushing touchdowns, but I was just really surprised to see that he only had eight. I would have figured he would have had a little bit more than that. And and so I was trying to go back and figure out when would have been other times that we could have given him the ball when we tried to pass instead, you know, how many times was it like third and goal and we ended up trying to pass instead of saying, Hey, Let's 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 go ahead and pitch out to Nick, because if Nick can just get the edge, he's in. No one will touch him. Uh, And again, we can talk about play calling and everything else. But I I have to say the one thing I was just was I I, and I know injuries played a part of this. And I know COVID was a part of this, too, because the Browns lost more players to COVID this year than any other team in the NFL. And our and, and and that's that is. Nobody is even close. I think the next closest team is like the Redskins. They had 42 and we had 48. But I mean, when when you sit here and you and you look at this and you're you're putting different guys in different position, why is Felton getting more touches than DeErnest Johnson when DeErnest had a great game against Denver? After that Denver game, it was almost like, okay, let's try and get Felton involved. Why? Why are you trying to do that? You had you had to Ernest, who was solid player, and and we're trying to get touches for for Felton here. And I, I to me, it was just sometimes the players that we put in certain places for certain plays. I was just head scratching to me. It was just head scratching to me. So uh, I really hope the offense is going to be a little bit better next year. I mean, it's but I mean, the 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 interceptions. How many would you count were Baker's fault? And how many would you count would be um, the fault of a receiver? I don't know. Oh, out of the 13? I mean, I would have to go back and watch. I mean, there I were know. there were some where, you know, as a Browns fan, I'm going to say, well, they should have called holding on that. It shouldn't have been yeah, a pick. Yeah. And, you know, and there were some that the receiver ran a wrong route on. So, you know, but there were, there were a lot like that in um, – in 2019 too when baker had what 20 21 or so interceptions you know his number was really inflated that season too so you know the the interception number is what it is um you know it's it's comparable to the other quarterback so i guess you just got to live with it (laughs) the one the one other thing that I, i i would be very interested to see um you know um stump was the running coordinator too so he was the running game coordinator uh-huh. When Stump was out on what was it the like the well it was my wife's birthday ten twenty nine um, when he was declared out for the rest of the season who who was in charge of that because the running game took on a very different look after 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 Coach Stump was out 
And oh. and I and I don't know if he had some cachet or you know when they're putting the plan together. I didn't know if he might have had like, hey, that's not going to work. Let's do this. That kind of you know focus um, with his experience and everything else. I just wonder how much he was missed in the planning sessions for the offense from really that last week of October on. I, I often wonder that, and we'll never know the answer to that. Right. But uh, right. The, the the job Stump has done for us has just been, you know. Phenomenal, really, just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's switch switch gears to the defense. And I didn't look up any stats on the defense, guys. If you want to share any, if you have them, that that's fine. Um, Brown, Brown's defense was good this year. <laughs> that's that's all I care. I think it's the best defense we've seen out of out of this uh, out of this team in, in quite a long time. And I think um, probably one of the most exciting things for me is that the Browns essentially had three rookies come of age this year, and that's JOK, Greg Newsom, and I'm going to count Grant Delpit as a rookie too because he's really playing his first season. So agreed, agreed. Um, you know they got those three guys. Um, you know that that should be around for for quite a while. And they, um, I mean JOK and Greg Newsom played well pretty much the whole season when they were out there and, and Grant Delpit really progressed throughout the season. Some of it was probably recovering still and getting comfortable following his, his injury, but, and he looked, he looked really good, you know, by the end of the season. So we've got those three guys added. Um, it was exciting seeing miles break the sack record for the Browns. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen him get more sacks, but 16 is pretty good. So um, happy to see that. And uh, Jeff, your thoughts on the defense this year? I'm going to start out by adding a couple of names to that, Rod. Go ahead. Um, Malik McDowell. Yep. Yeah. Who is not un- who is not under contract beyond this season, I believe. Yeah. Um, right. He, for a guy who hadn't played football in what four years. Right. Um, he made it through the entire season. I think he got a little gassed the last few games. Um, and, you know, that's to be understand understood with a guy that hadn't played football in that long. Um, but I think, you know, having his presence on, you know, on the interior of the defensive line was a huge, um, a huge solution to a, a very large problem that this organization had coming into the season. You know, who was going to step up and fill that role in the interior defensive line? Um, I hope they can get him back and they can get that much production out of him next year. Um, Because I I think he showed some tremendous upside early on in the season um, and just really needs to kind of get his his legs under him for a full season. Um, The other guy I'm going to say that that we just kind of saw a little bit of toward the end of the season was Jacob Phillips. And, you know, we talk about the linebackers being better. Um, Boy, in in that the last couple of games, it was pretty clear to me that he was he was head and shoulders above most of the rest of that linebacker room um, and his ability to make plays. So, I mean, I I feel really good about those guys, all of those guys. and some of the other guys that we, you know, have had under contract for a little while. Um, all in all, the, the defense started to come together late in the season. Um, I still think that it's capable of more. I don't think you've seen 
the best play that this defense is capable of if, if you you know put all those guys out on the field at once just because it have been so many pieces missing from week to week you right. know but um, you know if if this defense really plays to its potential um, you know I think you're looking at a, a top two or three defense in the league um, with the talent and and the the abilities that those guys have um, and we talked about it you know I think last time, uh, about the back seven and, and the coverage guys in particular, how much better they were this year than last year. Um, so, you know, that just makes me feel really good again about this organization's ability to recognize where the shortcomings are and go out and address them in the off season and, and put those pieces in place. You know, I think yeah. we'll see that, you know, happen this off season with the offense. I think there's a couple of places on the defense that they're going to need to backfill. Um, you know, particularly on the defensive line, uh, I think we're going to need a third safety. Um, but all in all, you got to feel really good about the guys that we have. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. So your thoughts on the defense, Bill? So the defense and, and just in terms of yards per game, we were the fifth best in the NFL. And when you when you go back and you look at games like the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Cardinals you, and, and the Patriots, you sit there and go, oh my gosh, how did this defense play this poorly? But remember, I think the beginning of the year, we were hoping to get like through the first seven or eight games while the defense was kind of getting settled. We were hoping to have like, you know, a somewhat winning record, maybe four and three, you know, if, 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 you know, if by some chance we get lucky, maybe five and two, you know, and we were four and three, you know, in the first seven games, we were four and three. And um, yeah, unfortunately we hit the, you know, we, that, that was already the charges and the Cardinals were already factored into this. Right. So we just finished beating the Broncos and then we have the what is it that 11 days to play the Steelers. And I and I think that that Steelers game, that home game was the first time I can honestly say I thought the defense really just said this is, you know, we are here to be a championship level defense. Look, they gave up in the in the in the AFC. I should say in all of the NFL, nine games where they gave up 16 points or less, nine games. And we only won six of them. That is the that is with those three losses that we had. That's the worst in the AFC. And I sit there and I look at it and I go, we had a defense that gave up 16 points in nine of 17 games. That's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and and when you when you look at that and you just go, how on earth did we lose? And then the other one where, what are we, we, we set another NFL first, right? Never before in the NFL, we get four interceptions against the Ravens and we lose that game. That had to have been a game in which the defense had to go back in the locker room and say, what do we got to do? I mean, we're sitting here doing the best that we can here. I agree. I, there were, when the draft happened, um, there were two guys that I wanted. I wanted Newsom. I liked the kid out of Northwestern. Um, I sit, you know, for every draft for the past, since like 2011, I have a friend who's a Steelers fan. I have a friend who's a Bengals fan and, and we always get together every year and we watch the draft together. And, um, they're like, who do you want? I said, man, I, I want, I want Newsom. I want Newsom. And then we get Newsom. They're like, that's, that's awesome. And I said, yeah, I, I really would like to have JOK with Notre Dame. I just don't think that's going to happen. And so my buddy, who's a Bengals fan, we're sitting, uh, uh, we're sitting at Top Golf down in uh, um, down in uh, uh, Cincinnati, 
and son of a gun if they didn't call the name. And I looked at him I'm like, I'm done. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm going to go home. I said, I'm really happy with our draft here. Those two guys were fantastic. And, and I agree with you. There were some, some really great uh, one-year contracts that um, Barry was able to find. But boy, I tell you, the, the beginning of the year, that interior line was getting gashed. You know, and, and you're right. There, there, were, there were some really good places and good things in there uh, throughout the whole year. Uh, but I tell you, just from a scheming standpoint, and my sons wanted me to make sure that I said this, how many times do we have the defense had the offense at third and, you know, like maybe third and six or third and five, and we play five to seven or five to eight yards off the receiver? How many times do we let a drive go by? We, we have to get better on third downs. We cannot allow the third downs to keep continually be converted. Um, I think that was one, and I know Rod, you and I talked about that. Like, why are we playing seven yards off when all they need is a third and five? But that's yeah. that's a scheme thing, and I think that they'll look at that and address that a little bit later. And um, but I tell you, that defense that defense did its job in the second part of the season. And we can sit there and argue and say, man, there were some fourth downs that we let happen. Yeah, there was a what a third and twenty that we let happen too, like a couple times. Like, oh my God, how do you let a third and twenty? You know, how do you let him convert on third and 20? Um, but uh, I don't know. I guess the, the philosophy needs to be, I got to get better. We got we to gotta print T-shirts up like that. I got to get better, right? Isn't that, isn't that really what the theme should be for this past year? I got to get better. Yeah. <laughs> FGV yeah. artwork to put that on the T-shirt. Right. Yeah, I mean, with the defense, I think – you know, we, we can we can pick at plays here and there and you know, everybody's gonna give up plays here and there, but I think I think you were really onto it when you're talking about the amount of points they gave up. Um and, and giving up, you know, six what, sixteen or less points and and um what, nine games? I mean nine that's games. in the NFL your offense should be able to score twenty points. Okay. Agreed. At least most of the time. So, you know, the defense is doing its job when it's at 16 or less and you know um when they give up that few points i really don't care what their what their third and fourth down uh, ratios are or anything True. like that so it's you know it's it's in the other games but i i would still rather see them have one or two bad games and um you know and and have all these games where they are very consistent and hold the opponent to to a low number like that because that's what's going to translate into wins eventually when you get the when you get the offense figured out. <laughs> Agree. Agree. When you get the offense figured out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and that's got to be coming, right? So, anyways, so let's let's talk briefly about the special teams because um, nobody likes Mike Prefer anymore. Um, we have two kickers, two punters. Everybody thinks he's messing them up, and special teams are awful, and and we can't. You know, we don't know how to how to play against an onside kick and everything. Um, <laughs> I, I saw on Twitter that um, that uh, the Browns special teams are ranked seventh in the league by PFF, and now that that takes everything into account, including their coverage on kicks. So I guess the seventh is primarily driven by their coverage on kicks. So, well, they they ahead. are they have one of the and I'm sorry to interrupt, but they did have okay. one of the stats that I had for special teams is they actually have one of the lowest kickoff return average yards, yeah. which I, I I that floored me because 
I really thought, like you did, that it was going to be worse. But they're like the fourth best. And, they're and that's per, they're pretty good against kickoffs and, and punts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the rest of the special teams that people are kind of questioning. So, so, so Jeff, what what are your thoughts on preferring the special teams? Um, you know, throughout this season. The number of times that we went for it on fourth down in the red zone tells me everything I need to know about our kicking game. And when when you're leaving ding, ding, ding. Six, six to nine points a game um, on the sideline because you, you have more confidence in the 28th or whatever the hell rank offense it is than you do in your kicker. Um, there's a real personnel issue there. Um, let me, let me do this. Um, I've got up, um, some free agents, potential free agents, um, for, uh, this off season. Um, just tell me if you recognize any of these names, uh, Zane Gonzalez, <laughs> Greg Joseph, Chase McLaughlin, Chris Blewett, um, if these guys were any good, they'd be under contract with somebody right now, right? Um, yeah. Look, we, you can only you can only go with the guys that you have, and you know when you can't when you're when you're not confident in you know a thirty yard field goal, uh, and instead you'll 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 go for it on fourth and four. Um, you know you can talk about coaches needing to be aggressive, but Jesus, you know, at some point you got to believe that your kicker is going to be able to make that and, and just take the points. And you know, that was to me, that was the biggest takeaway on special teams. I mean, kick coverage, um, all those other things. Okay. Um, I think with, with the roster that we had and the guys that um, had, a, had special teams experience, you got to remember, we took some guys off this team that were really good special teams players. Coming into this season. Yeah. Okay. So guys that were really good last year were not on this team this year from a special teams perspective. We we traded off, you know, depth at at certain positions for experience on special teams. And you know, we put a bunch of young guys out there um, in the coverage units and so forth. And, I, and to be ranked as high as they are um, after that says a lot about the coaching staff. I just think that, you know we need to be able to make a 40 yard field goal. And, you know, if you, if you can't, boy, that's just one more way that you've handcuffed your ability to score, you know, and, and I don't know what, what that, how to fix that um, because just, you know, good kickers just aren't out there, you know, and, and it, it really makes it tough. Yeah. I mean, the, the kickers are getting better and better, but um I mean, guys, uh, some of them have a hard time keeping their job because the, uh, you know, the expectations are just so high on the kickers now. Um, Not everybody's Justin Tucker, right? I mean. Right. But overall, you know, if you go back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, I mean, the kickers are way better now. So for the Browns to not have or be able to land a a kicker who they can just kind of trust, you know, it, it, it's just kind of a, I mean, it, it's kind of surprising for me. Um, you know, most teams, 
I don't know. I guess I would have to look at rosters a little bit closer, but it seems like most teams, um, a majority of them, seem to not turn over a kicker all the time, you know, like the Browns do. Um, well, let's I mean, let's also keep in mind one thing. So, remember, um, Chase had, what, 24 or 25 made field goals in a row at the beginning of the year? Is that right? 24, I think. I have to go back and see. It might be 23, but I think it's 24 he, he made in a row. Well. Yeah, he yeah so he well. started out well, and we were still going for it on fourth down there. I think this is also, and I, and I, I agree with you, Jeff. I think later in the season, it, I think you're right. I think clearly they had no confidence in any kicker, and they're like, might as well go for it. But even when Chase was hitting them, um, we were going for it on fourth down a lot. I mean, Stefanski was living by that analytics, and I, I, I get it. I understand, but – Boy, there are times that as a head coach, you really have to look at how the game is flowing. And if you sit there and like, you know what, right now, I need the points. I know what the analytics tell me, but I, we need the points right now for my players and everything. Let's let boom, let's go. Let's get the because now that, you know, when you do make a field goal and or, you know, if you make a field goal, there's like like seven minutes of dead time. Um, between that and the kickoff and then the offense coming back. That's a lot of time where your defense can rest. You know, whereas if you go for it on fourth down and miss, then you're almost switching right around and boom, your defense is right back in again. I mean, that's a pretty decent stretch of time to 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 do. And and so the, the, I, it is just frustrating that we can't find. I mean, we used to be known for kickers. I mean, we can go through and say what in 30 some odd years we had what four kickers. Right. I mean, yeah. I miss Matt Barr. I miss Matt Barr. <laughs> you know, and I miss Phil Dawson too. Don't get me wrong, but man, I miss Matt Barr. I miss Phil Dawson. I miss those guys that right. that live for this. Yeah. And and they were they were not content with just being good. They wanted to be great. And right now in the AFC North, every other team has outstanding kickers but us. And that's something that we have got to be aware of going forward because if a game's going to come down to a field goal, and and Jeff, like you said, we don't have the kicker that can do it. But every single other team in our yeah. conference has a kicker now that's outstanding. And the Bengals kicker, I can't remember his name right now, is a rookie. Damn, this kid's going to be another Justin Tucker. Yeah, well, we'll see. It would certainly be nice to address the kicking position and, you know, and at some point be able to build some confidence in the kicker. Yeah. Uh, we, just, we just haven't had it lately, so... I'm going to move on to the front office just briefly, guys. I think we all feel pretty comfortable with the front office, but um, we'll just talk about them. Um, I guess the Bears are in, in, or, uh, or have asked to interview. I don't know if they've interviewed two of our guys yet or not. Um, and I'm going to probably say his first name wrong. Is is it Queasy, Jeff? Queasy Adolfo Mensa and Glenn Sounds Cook. good to me, Rod. I, th- I think that's I, that sounds about right. I don't I, I don't know if I've ever heard his name pronounced. So um, no. he's our VP of football operations, and and Glenn Cook's a VP of player personnel, and they're both uh, both on the Bears' radar for their uh, vacant GM job. So um, you know, I mean these these guys have been here for I know uh, 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 Adolfo Mensa has been here for two seasons right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure about Glenn Cook. I would assume he's probably been here two seasons as well. So it just kind of yeah. shows you that, um, there's some, you know, that, um, there's respect for the Browns front office out there in the NFL. Sure. So. That's, that's the highest compliment another team can pay is to want, want your people. 
Yeah. Yeah. Agree. So great. You guys have any thoughts on the front office or you you're just ready to kind of let them handle some things here in the off season? Jeff, you want to go or well, I I think Andrew Barry has demonstrated his ability to find talent um, everywhere, uh, particularly in the low rounds of the draft, um, but yeah. to also you know make really good decisions about players and bring guys in um, who are excellent values. And I'll, I'll just mention this real quick. We talked uh, last week about um, Jadavian Clowney, um, you know, and and he's now come out and said that um, you know money's going to be important in terms of where he plays next year. And, and I don't blame him. Okay. Yeah. I and mean, that's, that's why he took the deal that he took this year was yeah. to prove his value so that he could go and and get a long-term deal next year. Um, but you have to look at Andrew Barry's ability to find guys that, that will perform above their salary slot. And at, you know, seven or 8 million bucks a year, Jadavian Clowney did that. My question is, is at 15 to 20 million dollars a year for the next three years, are you going to see a proportionate increase in his value? I don't think so. So what you look for is Andrew Berry to be able to go out and find more of those kinds of guys, guys who need to prove it, um, guys who will outperform their contract. And I feel really good about his ability to do that. Combined with what we can do in the draft, um, I, I think we're going to see a really solid roster going into next year. Um, I'm not worried about, you know, if we don't sign this guy or we do sign that guy. I think we're going to be able to improve every position on the roster from from a front office standpoint. And it's just a matter of what these guys can do on the field, you know. So that's all you can ask from a front office. That's right. Bill? Yeah, they got uh, they're they're what only forty to forty two players signed for next year. I think that I, I may be off of my number um, there. Let me look real quick. Yeah, I had that I had that somewhere. I can't find it. I I want to say it's forty two, but I was looking at Sport Track and they said it's forty seven. And I swear to goodness, I thought uh, somebody said only forty two. But while you're looking for it, I you know this they they're they're going to need to get into really identifying where their needs are and if they're going to do it through draft or they're going to do it through free agency you know they they spend a lot of money on free agency and especially that offensive line here um so now you know you're going to have to take a look and say well where can we where can we go ahead and add more talent and i and i agree with you i think i think barry is really good at finding those um um solid players i i the one thing and maybe i'm nitpicking and 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 Rod, I think I even mentioned this to you at one of the games here. And and if I'm wrong, I you know I apologize. I don't I'm, I don't mean that. But when when the Odell thing happened, um, and I thought the organization was wrong to let Stefanski take all the arrows himself, I I thought that was wrong. I thought it really should have come directly from, um, it it really should have come from the top. Maybe even you know JW alongside with Podesta, D Podesta, um. I I just thought by letting Stefanski have to handle it and then Barry coming in 36 hours after the fact, um, I thought that was I, I thought that was rather odd. I thought it was tough for Kevin to have to deal with that because uh, if you if you go back and look at that 
that interview, he's like, I, I don't make that decision. I don't make that's not my decision. You know, that's all that, and that's what everybody was asking. And then with yeah. Odell's dad going crazy with that, I, I think had Barry have been there and be able, and I know, and I know they were trying to work stuff behind the scenes, and so maybe Barry couldn't really say anything until something was worked out, and that's a possibility. I mean, I, I will admit to that, but I just thought it was tough for Kevin to have to to take the arrows for that because I thought that was. Um, um, I thought that was that was kind of bad on the on the organization. I mean, they did come out and say something. I just thought it was a little late, but I could be wrong. And, you know, maybe I'm just nitpicking to find something wrong with Barry, because really, you know, he does do a phenomenal job. His staff does a really good job. Um, but I, I will tell you, you, you sit there and listen to the players. Um, they did have some questions on the training staff. And and maybe that's something that hopefully at the end of the year, when they sit down and have all of their meetings and everything else, that's something that will be discussed and try to figure out uh, what's going on. Because you you heard I don't know at least four different players in their in their pressers yesterday. I'll say something regarding the the staff. I thought that was rather eye opening. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think the way this organization operates is I think they'll take a look at everything. Okay. You know, they they very much. Um, Going from last season to this season, you know, I think they, uh, you know, I think they were very clear that, you know, if that's last season, we're going to start now, we're going to do this, and so, so I think that's definitely going to happen. I think they'll, I think they'll address all the concerns. Uh, again, doesn't mean they'll fix everything, but hopefully they'll right. learn from their mistakes and, and get better. So, right. So yeah. So but, just to um, to button up the the question, Bill. Um, they have right now 40 guys who they owe money next year. There's a couple of them, um, like uh, Clowney um, and I think Anthony Walker are on void years next year. Right. Um, so there's some, you know, accounting voodoo that, you know, they're not really on the team, but they're they're technically being paid. Uh, so there's about they 40 guys the that they actually right. – Owe money to as far yeah no this is this is according to over the cap which I yeah. tend to treat as the gospel uh, right, I, right. I know that they signed eight guys to futures contracts right. and they also have about twenty guys on reserve um, and I think those eight guys are included in that twenty so um, yeah, yeah I mean you know you're you're right. not far off in terms of the money and I think the point that you're trying to make is there's tons of flexibility on the on the roster. Um, and oh, yeah. if you look at the guys who have, um, cap savings versus dead money over the next couple of years, there are some opportunities to really free Absolutely. up a lot of money. Absolutely. And yes. it's not going to be fun. <laughs> I think. No, it's, some... it's, it's a hard it's thing for a front reality. office, but you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's better than not having that flexibility. Absolutely. That's and right. and Barry and Barry and his and the and I can't remember who's the person who's the cap genius. Um, they really do a really good job with with structuring that. I can't remember who that is now. Shoot, I don't have that in front of me. Darn it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I agree. I think the Browns do a really good job with, and I think this is Barry too that really do a good job with the with the cap and and managing it. But it'll be interesting to see now with you know Wyatt's increase and uh, Batonio's increase and everything else. Um, that's offense, you know, that's, that's where else now are you going to put some of the extra money? So <sighs> exciting yeah. times, man. I got to get better. I got to get better. Yeah. There will, there will be changes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 
So let's get some closing thoughts from you guys before we uh, wrap it up and head on out of here. Um, uh, Bill, we'll let you go first as the as the guest. What would you like to say in closing? Well, first, thanks for having me on. You, you know, you and Jeff, it's just been so much fun listening to you guys and all the all the guests that have come before me. It's just it's just fun sitting in here and, and talking Browns football. I mean, that's this is what we do. If you had told me six years ago that, oh, hey, by the way, in 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 five and six years, you're going to average nine and a half wins a year. Don't you think we all would have taken that? Don't you think we all would have been like, really? Nine <laughs> yeah. and a half wins? Yeah, bring it on, man. So part of me is part of me is saying, you know, this is a process, and uh, unfortunately, it's a process in which we have to, we have to take this step for whatever reason. Um, and so when I look back at the year, as frustrating as it is, there's so many other positives that've been here that have been here. I mean, I know just for me personally, my this is my first year being able to go to one of the tailgates, and hats off the Top Dog tailgate. That was that was one of the most fun times I had at a football game uh, prior and during for the Lions game. And 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 we as fans, we will keep coming back, whether it's Baker Mayfield as our quarterback or it's some kid right now who's in sixth grade. I mean, we'll come back. I mean, we're always going to be fans. That's that's the thing about it. And we will die on hills for our favorite players or or whatever. But. Um, I think this organization is in the is in the right place right now. I think this was a big learning year for everybody, but I just want this organization to learn from this, and I don't want to see a repeat of next year because if I see a repeat of this year next year, then I'm going to start to say, you know what? Maybe we need to take a harder look at this. And 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 I think we as fans too need to keep in mind. As much as we want to root for this team and everything else, we need to keep our expectations at bay. Let's wait till week seven or week eight and see where we are and go. Because I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I was like everybody else, like, hey, this could be a really good team this year. We have the potential. Uh, but the former high school coach of me always is the is the one who sits back and says, you know what? Uh, if things are going to play out a certain way, let's see how they handle it. And I want to see this team get better after halftime. If I if I had one small goal that I like to see for next year. I want to see this team improve on the second half and making adjustments at halftime so that when we get ready for the third and fourth quarter, we've made the adjustments and we're a different team. Yeah. All right. That's Bill Petrello. Follow him at Petro Rock 44. Jeff, um, closing words for us tonight. Yeah. You know, next year, uh, like Bill said, it's, it's the tiebreaker, right? Um, yeah. We've had a good year. We've had a bad year. Next year is the tiebreaker. Um, I think realistic expectations are important. Um, you know, I had the that that gene that gene sort of engineered out of me back in 1995 when <laughs> Art Modell left town. Um, so I, I don't get my expectations too high anymore. I, I kind of moderate that and. Um, you know, that, that saves me a lot of heartache, you know, but, um, I respect the fans that, that are, you know, that are super emotional week in and week out. Um, and I don't tell anybody else how to fan. Um, but I think for the long-term good of this franchise and, you know, Rod, we've been preaching it for years now on this podcast, you have to just be arm's length about wanting to fire people and have heads roll every time things don't go the way, the way that you, th- that you think they should. Um, this hand, this, this, this organization's in good hands now. 
It's demonstrated that, um, you know, it can weather the storm, even in the worst of situations. Um, we just need things to kind of line up right for us for a little while. And I think we'll all get the rewards from that. So um, fingers crossed that, you know, we have a, a productive off season and, you know, the, the stars line up for us um, in the fall. Excellent. Amen. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time. Yeah.